Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. All right, so to continue, we've talked about all the ages, and if you need a map or no map. So the next part would be mythologies. Do you need them? Right. And of course, like the most notable mythology ever was Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Cimmerillion. The Cimmerillion. Great book. Read it twice. Because um, I like mythologies, though. That's just me. I've read it once. I also like mythologies, but not as much as he does. Yeah, right. <laughs> but D&D was founded on these mythologies. Gary Gygax was into mythologies. And so if you look at even a D&D 5e book, they've slimmed line down the planes and the mythologies around it kind of nicely, I think. But for the most part, like there were nine gods, one for every alignment in mm-hmm. the uh, in the D&D book. And then there were demigods and other things like that. You have entire books around kind of demigods, like, um, uh, what is it, Lolth, the spider goddess yes. of the drow, you know, trying to bring her about. I mean, even on the small scale, every single monster's manual, every single monster has a lore. Yep, to a certain degree. To I a mean, certain degree, varying degrees. Like your uh, standard bandit won't necessarily have it, but your minotaur definitely has a lore. It definitely has a little bit of flavor text on that. Exactly. And back in the old days, those things would have their own small pantheon, right? Because even if you look at it too, like there's a dwarven pantheon of gods. There's an elven pantheon of uh-huh. gods. The humans typically follow the one in the D&D manual. Um, dragons have Behemoth, uh, you know. Be- oh, no, Tiamat. 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 Sorry, Behemoth's um, a devil, I think. Uh, Tiamat, um, where it's like a five-headed dragon, and each of those dragons is, is the a color, color of the actual dragons they have. Like yeah. the red, the green, the, you know, the evil dragons. Yeah. And so you have this, like, a huge mythology around it. So do you need a mythology? Well, it's a great question. I have found that the players I deal with hardly ever deal with any of the religious aspects or the mythologies. We just never really played any games uh, revolving around religion. If you're a game group uh, loves to get into the religious aspect of it. And you guys are playing a lot of more um, religious uh, by religious. I mean, like religion is a backdrop to your adventures, right? Where it's constantly maybe about temples and um, feuding deities. And you're doing a lot, maybe a clash of the Titans thing where mm-hmm. the gods are doing their little chess game above. And you, the players are now enacting that chess game here type of a situation. Then I would say yes in that case. Absolutely. But for the most part, I haven't found it to be useful. The only mythology-esque game we had was the one with the plague demon. Because yeah. your second one was centered in Greek with the Greek gods. Right. So it was you it had mythology because it made sense for your setting. Right. So I guess the conversation would be there is if it makes sense for your setting, if it's going to be a plot point that you're going to jump on or it naturally comes up, then yes. Yeah, I would agree with you. It just depends on what you want to do. You so. don't need to flesh out how this this god did X and caused all of this unless you're going to be doing something with that aspect of that god. Whether meeting his avatar or dealing with what he did. Yeah, that's another thing you could do, right? Pivoting a little bit. You could have your players, we've, we've had this before, where players, um, we've discovered maybe a mural depicting a kind of a mythology event, but in reality, it was a real event. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, it, so at that same point, 
you could do something along those lines where you could take a, a classic Greek or Norse or other kind of mythology, all of which you can find online for free, modify it a little bit, and then run your players through something that's kind of that same thing happening to them. Yeah. And then as they go through it, they might find murals and stuff that are talking about the same stuff they're going through. And they realize, oh, wait, we're now playing. I like, mean- we got a, a deity for whatever reason has now shoved us in their mythology. Yeah. I mean, kind of going back to uh, since we're running through this for our D&D session, Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil, we yeah. got to the point where there's murals depicting where the next things we needed, like the next things yeah, that happened. there were hints. There were um, hints in the murals. So if we missed the first hint, which we didn't. The murals were like predicting some mythology around yes. this area. Yeah. So you could do that too. And then um, Matt, our other DM, ran um, us through a game where that was a vampire game, but uh, the vampire was like an ancient Aztec god. And because of the time period that he was from, and it actually makes sense that vampires are in the Aztec kingdom because they're just fascinated by blood and human sacrifice. So vampires make a lot of sense. And our vampires were kind of getting shoved into a scenario where they had to figure out how to stop this other Aztec god. Is that the one where you guys had, like, catacombs or something underneath DIA that I wasn't yeah. around for? Yeah, DIA had a bunch of cat. I mean, we live in Denver, in case you don't know this. So there's a lot of mythology around the Denver International Airport. And so our DM just kind of took it and just said... Yeah, that's where the Nosferatu are hanging out and there's, live. There's there's so. a pseudo there's a pseudo uh, real quick there's a pseudo conspiracy theory that there's like maintenance tunnels or something that stretches like catacombs underneath DIA. Yeah, all the way to wherever to wherever aliens live there or whatever. Um, anyway, so that said, uh, so do you need the mythology in your game? I would say if it's adding to your game or you can use an area or an idea from mythology in for an adventure hook, I would say do it. Do you need to have a fully fleshed out Cimmerillion type of work, like the first part of Cimmerillion for like, here are the names of all the gods, here's the relations, here's how many kids they had. Here's the name of one elf you'll never see again after his right. story. Yeah, Athena was born because she came out, because Zeus had a headache and she came out of his head. And, um, you know, who knows? I mean, it's like, I don't see that you need to have all that. Unless your D&D session is all professors of mythology, yeah. which you're in the wrong group if you're not a mythology professor. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, if you're a mythology <laughs> professor, you're like. You've had you've said so much wrong stuff. Um, that said, I'm not a mythology professor. I just like reading mythologies. But unless your players love and breathe mythology, to do as much as you need your uh, do as much as you need for your story. Yeah, and for what, what your players want, and for what we normally do, we just keep to what's in the uh, the dungeon, like the player's handbook um, mm-hmm. for the D and D games we play. And we're done with it. Um, for GURPS, um, typically our GURPS games are all kind of in some sort of like alternate reality, Ooh. modern reality. So Which the gods are we, whatever gods you We normally do now. a poll of like, for this session, because you're in Egypt, I'm going to do some stereotypical Egypt mythology yeah. and stuff like that for just to add more depth to it. Yeah. But it's not like you're in that world. It's just normally you're pulling the elements from whatever region we're in. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have some fun with it, though. I mean, if you're in Egypt, you might want to grab some Egyptian mythology and sprinkle it through um, and have it actually ba- be the basis of some clues or something to figure something out. If you're going to do something in, like, South America or have something go down there, same thing. Aztec or Inca or Mayan might be a really good thing to incorporate in because I mean, why not? 
especially if you're doing an Egypt thing, quick reading of the Book of the Dead and doing a session or two of they get thrown through the Book of through, through the Afterlife of the Egyptians would be a fun thing to yeah. play around with if it makes sense for your world. Exactly. And at that point, now you're just borrowing mythology. You're not creating mythology. So I would steer away from creating mythology, specifically in World Building 101, unless there was a very specific thing I wanted to deal with. So if I had a... Um, so... If I had back to golden age and stuff, if I had in the golden age that a the father deity and the, one of the sun deities got into a epic level fight that totally changed how the earth looked when it was finished, then I might bring that in because in my silver bronze or silver bronze age campaign, they're finding references to this great god battle. Mm-hmm. And now you can make it so that maybe they were actual people. They weren't deities. They were just like 35th level, you know, people who would be functionally gods at that level. Um, and they had a an epic level battle that literally destroyed continents of being and shaped the world. Um, and that could explain why, you know, it could be a, a really fun explanation of, oh, magic users that use this school are killed on site because the sun deity was that type and used it to destroy the planet. So Mm -hmm. like we don't allow transmutation spells now. Okay, great. So how does that work? You know what I mean? Can you learn transmutation? Yes. If you get caught using it though, it could mean your death. So wasn't just to go off of that. Wasn't there a whole entire D and D series? The dark sun. They would kill wizards because they destroyed the world. Uh, yeah. So magic came at a cost of converting water into sand. And the problem was by the time your players get involved, the once beautiful oceans have all been turned into sand and dust. And water is such a, uh, such a commodity now that, uh, wizards are killed on site because they have to be because, Mm -hmm. um, and without, if they keep using magic, then the rest of the world's water will go away and the entire, everyone will die. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the same. I mean, they've already played, D&D's kind of played with that concept, although I don't remember if they had a mythic tale around it other than that was their magic mechanic. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as you can see, there's a lot of cool things you can do with it or just not do with it if you don't want to come up with anything at all on it. I, I've played many and many a game where no deity was ever evoked by anybody and it did not matter. And I played at some other games where we've, you know, had some tension around some of the higher level beings, and that was kind of fun. So ultimately, the choice is up to you, and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to SkullRPG.com.